You may have already picked up on the fact that we're starting a brand new series today. The book, The Circle Maker, has the power to change your life. If you've not read that book by Mark Batterson, who's a pastor in Washington, D.C., fortunately, we have it on sale for you right here today. It'll change your life because it will introduce you to a new dimension, a new pattern of praying, of beseeching God, of petitioning God, of of praying with intensity, praying with faith, praying with new power. And over the next four weeks, we're going to look at what I'm going to call audacious praying, bold praying. And I want to start by saying this, and I want you to write this down. There is nothing, nothing more important and powerful than prayer. And if, if you don't believe that, if, if power or if prayer is not vitally important in your life, if it's not the strength of your life, that's going to be the beginning spot for you, being convinced that it really matters, that God really listens, that you can make a difference when you pray. Uh, the video today introduced us to a, uh, a real-life character, a guy who lived during the interbiblical period, the time between uh, uh, Malachi and Genesis. Uh, a prophet, much like Elijah or Isaiah before him, who came and he brought good news as well as bad news to the people. And there had been a drought in Israel. And Hani, the, the, the prophet, decided to go outside the city gate. And he took a rod and he turned in a circle and he drew a circle. And he positioned himself inside that circle. And he began to pray for rain. Now, you need to know this about Hani. Not only was he bold in his prayer life and he prayed for things that no one else in his generation would pray for, he was also very conversational with God. He talked to God like he knew him. Some of you talk to God like he's just an acquaintance. He told God exactly what he needed to happen. He told God, God, here's what your people need. And he prayed for rain. Bible, or not the Bible, the story says, he's, he's in that weird period. The story says that immediately it began to sprinkle. Now, I've never prayed for rain that I can remember, but if I were in front of a bunch of people in the midst of a circle beseeching God for rain and it started to sprinkle, you know what I'd say? Whoa, I'm good. Amen. Thank you, God but not honey. He said, God, you know that's not enough. You know that we need more rain than that. I prayed for rain, and you sent a sprinkle. Get busy. A few moments later, it began to pour, a torrential rain. People were kind of amazed by now, and, and they're running for shelter, and honey said, wait a minute, God. That's not what I prayed for. We don't we don't need a storm. That's too much rain. 
Come on, God, I'm going to stay right here until you send your refreshing. The story goes, and you've seen these days, when its sun is shining and it's raining. Ever? Because we get everything here in Kentucky, don't we? And beautiful raindrops of grace began to descend on the city. And Hani proved there's a better way to pray. Guess what happened next? The church had a meeting. The Sanhedrin had a meeting, and they decided to excommunicate Hani for praying that way. You ever been kicked out of a church? It can happen. All of you are in great standing so far right now. He got kicked out because they thought that was way too bold of a prayer. Later, they honored him and admitted their mistake. Now, I tell you all that to tell you this. There are times in our life, if you truly believe that nothing is more powerful and important than prayer, there are times in your life and in my life where just any old prayer won't do. I grew up in a Southern Baptist church, actually several of them, because Southern Baptist churches don't keep preachers very long, so we had to move from time to time. And every one of those churches included a list of men who my dad knew would pray publicly. There is nothing more embarrassing to call on a human to pray and them say no. So there was this list. And, and my dad would rotate kind of whoever he saw first, and he'd ask a, a deacon or a leader in the church to stand and pray. Always a man, never a woman, and always somebody who seemed to have a prayer memorized. Same prayer. Since I was a faithful attender and had a quick memory, I could have prayed it with him. In fact, I told my dad, next time you're going to call on brother so-and-so, just call on me. I got it. (laughs) And it was predictable. It was tame. And often it was meaningless. Just words. Pretty words strung together. There was one guy who'd pray for 25 minutes every time. How he memorized that much, I don't know. But he would pray past lunch. And often, in our own individual prayer lives, We've accepted that model. God, here's my prayer. God, here's what I want to see happen. We might switch the words from time to time to deal with our latest catastrophe, our latest desire. We might change the names of the sick. It always struck me as odd that we prayed 10 times, no, 100 times more for people who were sick not to have to go to heaven than we did for those who were lost 
who needed a pathway to heaven. But that's how we pray. Maybe that's how you pray now. We never prayed for anything that we really couldn't do ourselves. We never prayed for anything that was way beyond our reach. We never called on God to do something that only He could do. It was as if we were and still are, church, still are, afraid to be bold, afraid to be audacious, afraid to allow our desperation to show. It's as if we're not willing to draw a circle and go in that circle and pray until we see the movement of God. We're happy to go through the motions, mundane, scripted, weak, lifeless prayers. God's not offended, listen to me. God's not offended when you get bold with Him. God's not offended when you ask Him for something that only He can do. God's not offended when you ask Him for a miracle. God is offended by anything less. Dave Hundley's sitting right over here, wore a bright green shirt. Somebody said he looked like my brother. Is that a compliment, Dave? Sorry I asked that question. <laughs> anyway, if I saw Dave every three or four days, and Dave walked up to me, and he said the same thing every time, how you doing, Todd? How's it going? And before I could answer, he walked away. Next time I saw him, same thing. After about 10, 15 times, I would get the idea that he really wasn't concerned about my welfare, that he really didn't care to hear what I had to say or want to make meaningful conversation with me. Do you suspect that the God in heaven who wants to have an intimate relationship with you, do you suspect that when you pray without passion, when you pray without intensity, when you, when you pray with repetition and, and, and you don't, you, you're talking to God because you know you ought to pray, but you really don't demonstrate a deep concern your heart's not broken. Your words aren't powerful or passionate in your life. You're just talking. If God already knows what you're going to say every time, don't you suspect that his attention might be much like mine when Dave says the same thing to me over and over again and doesn't really care if I answer? You know what would shake most of you up more than anything? If you actually said, God, right here, right now, do something. God, right here, right now. And he answered your prayer. It'd scare you to death. 
You wouldn't know how to respond because most of the time you pray with no expectations and no faith. And I really believe that it offends the Spirit of God when we pray our weak, uncaring prayers. So we're going to talk about a better way to pray. We're going to talk about calling heaven to earth. We're going to talk about God doing what only God can do. The disciples had been following Jesus around for a while when this takes place. And the disciples had noticed something about how Jesus prayed. When Jesus prayed, it was as if he and the Father were one. It was as if God listened to every word that he said. It was as if they were best friends. And when Jesus prayed, stuff happened. They'd seen it over and over again. Now, the disciples would have been perfect Baptists because they saw all this happening. They saw God doing really great things, and about six months later, they said, hey, Jesus, how can we pray like that? We don't do anything quick, do we? The passage is in Luke 11. Now, I don't want anyone to stroke out on me right now because we're not going to use the King James or the New King James. We're going to use the message. This will be the first time you've ever had heard the Lord's Prayer this way. But see if it doesn't resonate with you. Master, teach us to pray, because John's already taught his disciples how to pray, and we're a step behind. So he said to them, when you pray, say, Father. Actually, it's the word Abba, the Greek word, which means Papa Bear, Daddy. Intimacy. Reveal who you are. Set the world right. Keep us alive with three square meals. I would have asked for four or five. <laughs> Just saying. Keep us forgiven with you and forgiving others. Keep us safe with ourselves and the devil. Ever pray that way? I, uh, I learned to pray in the King James English, didn't you? I, I would go to church, and it seemed like when someone would pray at church that they would stand and they'd have a brand new voice, a deeper voice. <laughs> Their words would be a little further drawn out. God was a seven-syllable word. There were a lot of verily, verilys, I say unto you, God. God, God taught King James how to talk, not the other way around. Amen? How long will it be before you learn to talk to God like he's in your lap? 
or by your side or in your spirit? How long will it be before you are comfortable enough to call him a friend? To know how much he loves you? And that his desire is to see the best for you. You don't have to change your voice because God gave you the voice you have. You don't have to give him a lofty title. He just needs to know that you love and respect him. And you need to talk heart to heart. One of my favorite verses in the Bible is a verse that says, when you can't even say what you want to say. God understands your grunts and your groans and your heart. We've really, 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 really let God down, let ourselves down by forgetting what prayer is all about and how powerful it is. Let me give you some characteristics of of the way that I want to teach you to pray over the next few weeks. When when you pray with passion and purpose, when when, when you pray and you mean it, it, it touches your heart, it's who you want to be in Christ. The first thing you'll see, it's, it's the difference between you fighting for God and God fighting for you. I want you to think about that. Because there have been many times, I, I, I would guess, in all of our lives where we felt like when we're talking to God, we're having to wave our hands and yell and scream or, 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 or fight for his attention. Struggle to connect. I'm talking here about calling on God to fight for you. Because the enemy hasn't given up the battle. How many of us have been tempted this week? Come on. I'm not going to let this one go because my hands are up, and I'm not the only one going down. Oh, my gosh, you've got many, many perfect people. Well, the devil's going to get after you this week for lying in church right now, and, and he's going to say, you didn't lift your hand up. I'm going to double my efforts. I need God to fight for me, don't you? It's the difference between fear and faith. We live with a bundle of fears in our life, fear of what's in the future, fear of death, fear of uh, uh, relationship breakdown, fear of financial catastrophe, fear of long sermons. We live with a bunch of fears. As long as you don't tap into God's power, you're going to be fearful. It's the difference between fear and faith. It's the difference between the possible and the impossible. You know that. Amen? It's the difference between intimacy with God and ignorance of God. 
tough question, but how well do you know God? How well? You're close? Can you talk to him about anything? Do you know he's on your side? I can give you a list of people right now who are friends, family. I know they've got my back. They're on my side. Is God on that list for you? When you talk to him and listen to him, is it comfortable? Is it real? Is there intimacy? Or are you just clueless about what God's doing, where he's leading you? Is there ignorance of who he is and who he wants you to be? If you don't hear anything else I say today, hear this. It's the difference between the best thing you can do and the best thing God can do. You get that? We pray, we talk to God, we lift one another up because God can do a lot better thing than we could. When you say to somebody, I'm going to pray for you because it is the best thing I can do, do you mean that? It's the difference between the best thing you can do and the best thing God can do. So how do we make this transition? I'm going to say something that on the surface, I know it sounds kind of goofy, and you kind of expect that from me now, right? Amen? Thank you. Jump in and say something crazy. Pray about what to pray about. Pray about what to pray about. Now, here's my hope, that every day you kind of have a running conversation with God. You're at the stoplight, you're late, God, change that right now. Don't worry about the other people. God, I'm ready to eat. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Even if it's White Castle. God, big day at work. Give me peace. Help me to, to be who I need to be. God, give me a chance to share Jesus with somebody today. Give me a chance to be. A running conversation. And when you're having that running conversation, maybe listen to what God's saying. Look for what he's doing. Grasp his agenda. Because I, I hope that in all of our lives, there's a time when that running conversation comes a moment or 10 minutes when we focus on nothing but God. And we pray our hearts. When I find that moment, I have a hard time shifting from my agenda, what I want. I have a hard time moving from advising God to learning about who He is and what He wants from me. Get on God's agenda. Well, I want to read the rest of this passage. The disciples said, Jesus teaches how to pray, and he gave them the model prayer, and we all memorized that in Sunday school. 
But Jesus didn't just stop there when he was teaching them how to pray. Did you know that? He didn't even, there's not even a comma here. He said, then he said, imagine what would happen if you went to a friend in the middle of the night and you said, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. An old friend's traveling through. He just showed up and I don't have a thing on hand. Now, first of all, note that this isn't a selfish prayer. He's knocking on his door in the middle of the night to help someone else. And the friend answers from his bed. Right here, we learn that the walls in Israel were too thin, right? He answers from his bed. Don't bother me. The door's locked. The children are all down for the night. I can't get up to give you anything. But let me tell you, even if he won't get up because he's a friend, then you stand your ground, you knock, you wait till you wake all the neighbors. He'll finally get up and get you whatever you need. You know what this says to me? I'm just reading the Bible here. It says sometimes don't take no for an answer from God. Sometimes don't quit. Sometimes don't stop till the help comes. Sometimes don't leave the circle. Jesus taught us to pray that way. That's that's the first point of the prayer sermon that Jesus preached. God will respond to your earnest persistence. Here's what I'm saying. Ask and you'll get, seek, you'll find, knock and the door will open. Don't bargain with God. You ever do that? God, if you'll do this, I promise to do this. When you make that bargain, God says you're a fool. You know you won't. Don't bargain with God. Be direct. Ask for what you need. I thought about that. Tyler likes to ask me for money. Often. And he never starts with, can I have 20 bucks? He'll start with flattery. (laughs) And kind of beat around the bush about his romance and his lack of food and gas and got to get to school, have to drag a bunch of people around him. You know, can I have 20 bucks? Just to ask, you know, I'll give it to you, maybe. (laughs) Look at this nest. Jesus, he's teaching us to pray this way. Just, you know, you don't have to offer a preamble to God. If your little boy asks for fish, do you scare him with a live snake on his plate? Well, that's a good trick. (laughs) That'll that'll whittle the family down pretty quick, won't it? If your little girl asks for an egg, you trick her with a spider. You'll have to change the diaper if you do. I like this. As bad as you are, 
<laughs> he's talking to his disciples. That's where he stopped and waved his hand. You lowlifes wouldn't even do that. You're at least decent to your own children. And don't you thank the Father, here's the kicker right here, who conceived you in love, will give you the Holy Spirit when you ask Him. Wow. God responds to our bold prayers. Sometimes when, when you pray, it's not your reputation that's on the line, it's God's. And I'm going to say it that way. Every time when you pray, it's God's reputation that's online. A missionary named Bob Bagley was a, uh, given an assignment in Africa in a village, and he went to that village where there was no church, there was no building, and so he gathered a group of folk around him as he evangelized, and they formed a little church, and it met under this awesome, huge shade tree. People began to come to know the Lord, and things began to change in that village, and the enemy didn't like it. And so a witch doctor, I've never known a witch doctor or seen one in action, and I don't know how they do what they did, but this particular witch doctor came, and he put his hands on that tree, and he prayed a curse on that tree from the enemy, and the tree died. Now, when the enemy comes into your camp, and does something bold and audacious, you can't respond with anything less. And so Bob Bagley waited until they'd all gathered again, and they were groaning and mumbling about their shade tree and their church, and, and he went to that same tree. And he put his hands around the trunk of that tree, and he said, God of the heavens, this was your creation. The enemy has come and killed what was yours, a holy place. God of the ages, would you bring new life to this tree? Would you prove who you are and that you're greater than the enemy? Now, that's a bold prayer. I've prayed over a dead battery. It's never worked. I've prayed over a lot of things with boldness, but that's a bold prayer. Isn't it? And you see, God's reputation was on the line, wasn't it? Story goes that tree began to blossom immediately. And it's the only tree of its kind in that village that yields its flower twice a year rather than a year. God responded in such a way that he made it better. The witch doctor prayed another thousand times, and he looked like a fool. Be willing to risk your reputation like Bob Backley did to establish God's reputation. Be willing to leap in faith, to pray in faith, to pray boldly and audaciously to establish God's reputation so people will see his power. Now, here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Folks are coming now, and they're going to give you a piece of paper that has circles on it. 
I'm going to ask you to find a place over the next 21 days. Pick a place. Set a time. Establish an objective, something that you may have never prayed for before, something that only God can do. I want you to be bold. I want you to pray for a miracle. I want you to pray things like this. God, when I come to church next Sunday, I want to see lots of people walk forward in faith and trust you. God, when I come to church next Sunday, and I look down and see where it says, we should have this much money now, and instead we've got this much money, instead of me grumbling about the deficit so far in the budget this year and making a big deal about it, God, I want to pray that we as a church together rise up and we meet that deficit. We're going to quit griping. We're going to pray. We're going to ask God for a miracle. And we're going to see him do something that only he can do. And when you pray that prayer, be thinking about how much you're going to give because God won't let you get by with the piddling that you've already done. Because that's a bold prayer. God, give us the money, the way somehow to retire our debt. Pray for things that only God can do in his church. Pray for things that only God can do in your life. Pray for a burden, an addiction that only God can can set right. Establish an objective. Write it down. The shortest pencil is longer than your memory. And I think a lot of us forget what we pray about. Draw a circle. Commit to pray for a period of time in a particular place Every day. You ever overprayed? Anybody here, you'd stand and testify, I've just prayed way too much in my life. God and I have talked way too much. Your prayer's ever been too powerful? Too much good stuff has happened, you've got to quit praying. If you have, you don't need this. But every single one of us We know we do. What will God do in our church? What will God do in our lives if we pray with power and boldness and expectation? Ann Conley's been reading the book. You should buy a copy. As we walked into church this morning, she said, if we could just get 10 people to pray that way. Can you imagine what God would do? I wonder what he would do if we all did. Just bow your head with me right now. Don't tell something. Don't say to God, I'm going to do this if you don't intend to. But would you talk to him right now and say, God, I see, I see the truth of bold prayer. I see the possibilities. And God, I want to commit right now 
praying in a new way. To talk to you like I know you. To allow you to draw close to me. God, there's a miracle. There's something in my life that would would take a miracle to change. And I'm going to pray about that. God, I'm going to pray for our church to to, to reach more people, to see more people make heaven than hell. I'm going to pray for our church to give generously and powerfully. I'm going to pray for our church to be the kind of place where people see you at work. God, I'm going to pray, and I'm not going to stop. I'm not going to leave the circle until I see your face and your handiwork. Would you do that this week, the weeks that follow? And let's see what God, who loves his church, will do. Father, you know our hearts. You hear our prayers. May your spirit reign in this place right now. Your power be evident. In Jesus' name. We're going to stand. We're going to sing. And this is a hymn, a song for you to come and do what God asks you to do. Whether it be share in communion and, and say thank you that your death means life for me. Thank you that your death means heaven for me. Whether to come and and pray your first bold prayer at this altar. To trust Jesus as your Savior. To ask Him to change you. Clean you up. Straighten you out. To confess. To repent. To fall in love with Don't stand there. Pray some easy out prayer. Don't stand there and go through the motions of singing. You be obedient to God and see what He'll do in your life right now.